I'm your host, Frankie, and with me, as always, Jeremy David King. So strap in, smash that pedal, and ride with us down the paranormal highway. Let's debunk and find the truth behind every ghost story in the world of transportation. Welcome to Haunted Garage. Let's rev it. I'm your host, Frankie, and with me as always, Jeremy David King. Jeremy, we have two shows on the books already. I'm very excited about both of them. We have James Dean, and we have the Golden Eagle. Kill the eagle! <laughs> <laughs> I have to have him in every show. I, I, I just need him there. It's it's pretty amazing. What I you, love it. What do you think about the show we're doing tonight? Do you think the audience is going to be excited about this one? Yes, and I say that because there's so much messed up stuff going on with this story that is actually factual. It it just it like, seems to go on forever, but I think you have a little bit of a warning for this show because of the content though. However, I, do you want to do you want to read your scripted trigger warning? Keeping it clean, we still want to remind our audience that this episode has some trigger warnings. We're going to be discussing rape dismemberment, kidnapping, and all sorts of violent tactics. These statements can trigger past memories. So we want to want to make sure that you guys are you guys know what you're getting yourself into for the next half hour with us. And it is a good touch, my friend. Our listeners, we want you guys to be with us in this show. We always like you to be a part of this show. So make sure that you're subscribing online, you're giving us some reviews on Apple and let us know who you are. You guys are not our audience. You're our listeners. You're our friends. You're and our buddies. You're our buddies. And feedback is important to us. So make sure that you're commenting and you're following us on The Haunted Garage on Instagram to check out all the filming that we're doing for each episode and all our promos and our free giveaways. So, to start this show correctly, though, Jeremy, I think we should dive into actually what is myth, what is lore, and what does it actually look like versus where did the actual things stem from? So there's always truth to myth and lore. Would you agree with that? There's always some sort of seed of truth where this grows from, no matter how long ago. I mean, some of these things, some of these myths and lores that we still talk about today are hundreds if not thousands of years old. And all anyone needs to do is do some simple research. You see, all myths and legends have background and origin. For instance, two such myths come from St. Patrick. We all know him from the holiday parade, 
But St. Patrick was more than that. And in fact, snakes and werewolves just happened to come from this legend. In his journal entries, it is said that St. Patrick drove the snakes from Ireland. But there's only one problem with this. And that is... There's no known saints that ever existed in Ireland. They haven't found them in the fossil records or anything. But when you read beyond the myth, you realize that St. Patrick's actually referring to the Irish Druids, who were the snake worshippers. Yeah, they were of the serpent faith. And so, as you can see, the legend kind of gets tied up with the truth. St. Patrick also faced off against werewolves, where the legend begins for one of the most beloved horror creature features of all time. But like the druids of the serpent faith, the werewolves were once again a clan of humans that worshipped and were known as the werewolves of Ossery. In battle, they would wear wolf skins, and over time, the legend grew of the half-man and half-wolf lore. And as you will see, understanding the lore of events in history can unravel the beast, which is usually men with absolute power. And for this episode, we dive into the Black Volga of Russia. You are so fair, and we are so very country. It is all lies and false propaganda to support this antagonistic and violent government. So, without further ado, I think we should, Jeremy. You know what time it is. It's time for Car Specs. Let's The car is reported to be a gaz. Gorkosvia Numenotizavit. 21. More often reported as the Model 21, produced from... 1956 to 1970. They either had a 2.5 liter inline four cylinder or a 5.5 liter V8 with a whopping 160 horsepower and a top speed of 80 miles an hour. So you could probably un, you know, outrun your local Segway. <laughs> the the Volga V8 was available only to the KGB. And there was only 607 of those produced over seven years. So basically, only the KGB could do sweet burnouts. So the KGB only had the fast cars. Good to know. If you were driving one, it meant that you were someone with power, let alone being driven in it. Other colors were available for local municipalities, but the color black was reserved specifically for government. Although citizens in a communist regime hardly had the resources to own a car, to buy a new car, you had to get special permission. Some people were waiting for decades to even begin the process. To sell or buy used cars was also a very difficult procedure, and prices for the used cars were sometimes higher than the new ones, a lot like Marketplace on Facebook. I've noticed this. I've spent a lot of time on there. (laughs) So have I. The thing that we are trying to do at Facebook is just help people connect and communicate more efficiently. I know what I got to 1970 Mopar. It came in the factory with Russ, and let me tell you something, the Russ gonna stay there. Is that a hand me in there? <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Facebook Marketplace is ridiculous. It's terrible. It's I, like, what are these people thinking? Like, are you gonna remove the brick of gold from under the seat before I buy your car? And back to the gas. Citizens had the choice of a three-speed auto or a three-speed manual when their time had come. 639,478 cars were produced over the production in its run. They were available in a four-door sedan or a five-door wagon. 
The design is clearly straight out of the 1950s. There were a few mild updates, mostly to the grill and the tram. The overall car stayed basically the same, however. The Gaz Kurkorsvia Numindelti Zavod 24 was produced from 1970 to 1983. Available on a four-cylinder, but you had your choice of transmissions with a four-speed manual or a three-speed slush box. The car's design was more modern and available as even a 4x4 and a truck. Jeremy, what the hell is a slush box? So it's an automatic... But back in the day, they were kind of inefficient, and it kind of got the nickname because in the torque converter, the fluid slushes around. Oh, and that transmission fluid looks a lot like cherry grenadine. It doesn't smell like it. It smells like, but let's go on to the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) It weighed 1.4 tons, or for you Americans out there, 2,400 pounds. Thank you. We need to know that. (laughs) Those other numbers don't even make sense. (laughs) That's why we call it the imperial metric system. (laughs) See, I feel like if if they're going to force it on us and it's imperial, it's like yeah. You know, what is it, Darth Vader going to force this on us? The rebels are alerted to our presence. Admiral Ozzel came out of light speed too close to the system. He, he felt surprised, was wiser. He is as clumsy as he is stupid. They had no power steering and drove like a barge. The thin rim steering wheel is hardly ideal for cornering. Although built solid, the Volga had thicker steel than most cars to survive the Siberian winters. Gorkosvia no Zavod. Unlike Mopars, when they came from the factory with rust. Mopar. Did you just say Mopar? Oh, there I am in there. They produced a lot of pollution and were not environmentally savvy, which means that they were actually sort of cool. The Volga competed in the executive arena of drivers. Think Mercedes or BMW. Although the car never changed its look, the Model 24, which was produced in 1970 to 1983 still had a very 60s look which is ironic because that was the bad guy's car in james bond film octopussy it was it was the the bad guy's car in- the word volga doesn't mean anything The car was named Volga because the factory sits right outside Europe's longest river, the Volga River. The river flows from central Russia to southern Russia and into the Caspian Sea. It has a length of 3,531 kilometers. Oh, for you Americans out there, 2,194 miles. (laughs) The car's manufacturing sat 262 miles outside of Moscow. Home to Gorky Park. Follow the Moskwa down to Gorky Park, listening to the wind of change. Where the Gad, Gorkosvia Numidalti Zavod 21, gets its name. The Black Volga, however, is more than specs and daily driver for executives in the communist Russia. Nope. The lore surrounding the Black Volga is Nightmare Fuel, the boogeyman of Eastern Europe, the Babadook, if you will. Babadook-dook. The Black Volga of Russia is described by concerned parents and neighbors to be blacker than black. Vanta black, if you will. It vanished as quickly as it arrived and was gone again in a blink of an eye. 
like the missing children that were victims to it. The black Volga has white wheels and curtains over the windows. The driver was never described. Either they couldn't see who was driving or it appeared to have no driver. The car would appear out of nowhere and the people who saw the car would disappear. They were found dead 24 hours later. Legend also says that those that see the car would die instantly. During this period of time, the 1960s to the 1970s, children were disappearing in an alarming rate. People would be found dead and drained of blood, leading people to believe the deaths were attributed to the occult. Or even vampires. Count Dracula, I am Dracula. You know, I think vampires just get such a bad rap. Every time we find somebody drained of blood, we just want to, you know, it's just, it's hate is what it is. We, Dracula's have a right to be proud. What devil or witch was ever so great as a dealer whose blood flows in these veins? The first theory is that the kids were being abducted based on the idea that they had pure blood, and that blood would be used for transfusions. Draining the children like a juice box. Other theories exist that children and young adults were being abducted for the harvesting of their organs for the ruling class. Furthermore, kids were being abducted and turned into sex slaves by gangsters to be trafficked amongst the wealthy elite. It is also said that the car was used by a serial killer who used the car to murder and dispose of the bodies. But of course, a good urban legend is nothing without involving the devil. Well, Frankie, the car was used by Satan or some high-ranking demons to abduct souls. Oh, high-ranking, so they only have the executive class. What's a low-ranking demon drive? Like a Prius? <laughs> you know, maybe a Ford Edsel? No, you mentioned the four-letter word again, Jeremy. I know, I, I'm not supposed to say four-letter words oh, on here, especially ones that start I with an F. Cannot believe you did it. <sighs> The car would pull up and ask for the time. If the person gave the time, they would die 24 hours later. They could avoid this fate by replying, it's God's time, causing the car to disappear. I wish I could say that about my ex-wife, <laughs> who's also a demon. I feel like that has happened to me, too. <laughs> I don't know. The government spread these stories about the children abductions to make the actual political abductors seem related to other reasons or make them invalid. A lot like the myth behind alien abduction in the United States around the same time. Cast your eyes in the skies as the government plays misdirection. E.T. Home phone. We pause now for station identification. This is the High Gear Network. Speaking of phoning home, nothing reminds me of home more than coffee. That's why this episode is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. Put a load of gunpowder in your mug for the energy you need to get you through the day. Like the Black Volga, having Black Rifle Coffee around would only make it vanish that much faster. So make sure you buy plenty of Black Rifle Coffee. Click, click, boom. And you can click, click, boom at blackriflecoffee.com. Or on the gram at Black Rifle Coffee. My favorite roast is Freedom Roast. And now I give the floor back to Jeremy for his freedom on the Black Volga. Jeremy. Thank you, sir. The grandest account of the Black Volga has to be the theory of Leonid Brezhnev, the successor to Nikita Khrushchev, and leader prior to Miguel Gorbachev, developed several illnesses during his time at the helm of the USSR, 
He had heart disease, leukemia, jaw cancer, emphysema due to heavy smoking, and circulatory disease. Back then, a common treatment for these illnesses was to give blood transfusions, namely from young, healthy adults. This, of course, aligned perfectly with the urban legends surrounding Soviet Russia at the time, especially that of vampire. Like our other legends, vampires have been seen as scapegoats for years. Regardless of our blood-sucking friends, the most proof-positive case surrounding the Black Volga was that of Labyrinth Iberia, where myth and origin begin to come together. Labyrinth Iberia was the Minister of Internal Affairs for the Soviet Union from 1938 to 1953. He would have women abducted so he could rape and abuse them to the point of taking their lives. Those that lived, he would send home with flowers, like they had consented to the rape. To understand Beria, you would have to understand absolute power. Labyrinth Iberia was the head of Stalin's secret police that killed anyone who would even speak out against the state. Stalin, when meeting with FDR, referred to Beria as Al-Himla. Anyone who attempts to raise a hand against the will of our people, against the will of the party of Lenin and Stalin, will be mercilessly crushed and destroyed. At the very least, this was a cautionary tale for parents to tell their children not to be out late or to speak out against the communist government because they will disappear if they see the Black Volga. As for Labyrinth Iberia, in a fit of paranoia, Nikita Khrushchev had Labyrinth Iberia arrested in 1953. Beria was tried and executed for being a British spy. Beria was shocked by the whole thing because there is no evidence in this accusation. Beria's pragmatic, analytical mind would have steered the Cold War to an early end had he come to power. This is believed to be the reason he was executed under false pretenses. Stalin's daughter later confirmed this by speaking out about the strength of Beria's character and how it scared Stalin into paranoia. Beria was more treacherous, more practiced in perfidy and cunning, more insolent and single-minded than my father. In a word... He was a stronger character. Stalin's daughter, Svetlana Alialu. Nearly 40 million people died under the leadership of... Yosef Stalin. And... Yervanti Beria. Was... Stalin's... Right-hand man. Beria's executioner's wife later told the media that just before being shot dead, Beria had implored him for mercy, groveling on his knees. The executioner had bluntly responded by saying... And all that you have done, so lonesome, mean, and nasty. Can you not find courage in yourself to accept the punishment in silence? And with that, his life ended with a single gunshot to the head. The Black Volga to this day evokes fear in those that lived in the Cold War days of Soviet Russia. It is true that all urban legends are rooted in fact. That in this case, it was a way to guide the youth into oppression out of fear of a communist regime, to protect your family in Soviet Russia meant to abide by the rules of those with absolute power. We can always assume that the paranormal Black Volga haunts the street corners of old Soviet Russia, that somewhere, tucked behind the Iron Curtain, there is a shadow that took the lives of the innocent. In 1973, a Polish film of the horror genre named The Black Volga was created to tell the tales of the horrific events that surrounded the car. It was set to release when it was confiscated by the Soviet Union and banned from being aired. 
The filmmakers had the film dubbed in English, and it was shown one time in New York City. Whether fact or fiction, on this, our paranormal highway, the action of men can be just as dangerous as the devil himself. One last thing. Anyone that reads their history of the Black Volga will run into the premise that created the myth. After all, the legend of the Black Volga started in the 1960s. But the funny thing about that is the Iberia was executed in 1953. This is like the epic, most epic national anthem ever. Don't get me wrong. I love the United States national anthem, but the Soviet Union national anthem was just a step above every other national anthem probably in the world. It is so over the top and dramatic, a lot like their machinery and their cars, clearly the, Vol the Volga, um, and their, their machine guns, AK-47s, their tanks, their MiGs. Everything was just over the top with the red, red Russia. They had to do that because they couldn't get food. It's also, I think, we grew up in a time where Russia was very highlighted in Hollywood with films like Red Dawn. And let's not forget Rocky Four. Rocky Four. Yeah. And if he dies, he dies. He dies. I just want everybody to know that I was doing all the Russian impersonations throughout this episode, and then I felt that. You know, I should really kind of throw that out there that I have quite the skill. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> I it's hope pretty... you guys enjoyed it. And if you're rushing out there, we by no means offend anyone. We did not mean that. It's just, you know, you got to have fun with some of these episodes. It's a lot of dark stuff, so you got to lighten it a little bit. And speaking of things that um, can lighten the load, those Russian rifles in our promo video are actually two Russian rifles. We have both of them. Right? One is marked 1939. This is the predecessor. Well, that so that one, 1939, that's the Mosin Nagant 9130, and that is a Soviet gun. Like, that was made by the Soviet Union. It says USSR on it, and it chambers a 7.62 by 54R round. So that old deer will feel that one. Yeah, yeah, it's a big one. So it's got a Hemi in there? It's It's got two <laughs> Hemis. <laughs> and then the other gun you said is made in China. It's it was yeah it's a Chinese but it's a Russian plan. it's a Russian plan Russian design Chinese knockoff which I mean they kind of distributed the plans for these guns to other communist countries of course it's an SKS which is the basically the yeah it's a predecessor to the AK forty seven and that one chambers a seven point six two by thirty nine. Speaking of AK-47, you know what my favorite coffee brand from Black Rifle Coffee is? Is it AK-47? It's the AK-47. Pick that up at blackriflecoffee.com. Those guys are veteran-owned, and they do a lot for veteran charitable organizations, and we're throwing them a shout-out because it's my favorite coffee in the morning. Now, back to 
the Black Volga. I think that this is a fun episode because of a bunch of things. And as we learn our show, as we try to grow the grassroots of our show, we're going to try to deliberate on the episode you just heard because there is a lot of information there. And we can't really memorize mm-hmm. all that. So some of it is scripted. But I think it kind of makes the, sh- the show fun if we have kind of a little cap zone, which is what we're calling it here. And so your take on the Black Volga, you had that, that kind of gripping thing with the, with the anthem, the Russian anthem comes at the end of it. And I kind of say, well, you know, he's executed in 1953, but these legends don't start to 1960. So that really kind of begins that urban tale, right? They definitely abducted people. Yes. We know that. That's undeniable. They abducted people who spoke out against the regime. Also, we know that Beria was having women abducted and he was raping them and sometimes killing them. Again, undeniable. We also know that Brezhnev was very ill and why would they not just use the KGB to scoop up some fresh blood? You know, it's it sounds gross, it sounds grimacing, but, you know, this stuff still goes on. I mean, people slip drugs in people's drinks, they wake up with no kidneys. I mean, there's been a couple cases of that, not as many cases as you would think based on all the different, you know, urban myths that are out there. But but getting back to the point, when you look at Stalin's daughter, which is Stefana, Yes. She was very into um, Beria. She, she, she had a love for him in a very strange way. Uh, way he was way older than her. There's a very creepy picture of him and her, which is on our Instagram right now. You can check that out with this episode. Very strange situation going on there. I think she admired him, but you have to understand she grew up in it on the other side of power, right? I right. Mean, poor people don't have power. Stalin was not exactly happy about how Beria was around his daughter. Yes. So he had the KGB follow him and he was right. the KGB. So it's kind of funny that, you know, he's he's leading this police battalion. But the, the same people reporting back to Stalin that, you know, th- there was there is no loyalty in communism. Let's let's make that clear. Let's just say there's no loyalty in government. That's the truth, too. And anyway, I guess we can get a little political with that. I mean, the communism word has been thrown around a lot. I mean, when you read these stories about Red Russia and it's just so sad and it's so disheartening that. The actual neighbors and the actual family members had to invent these ghostly tales of this black Volga that would come and abduct people, you know? We almost, we make this like a horror film for children because, you know, if the parents are just saying, hey, avoid black cars, well, how are you going to avoid black cars? There's 607 state vehicles, right? Well, that's just the ones with the V8. Remember that all Volgas that were black were for the state. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think at at the end of the day, like... You know, it's hard to avoid that in a communist regime where you have the Iron Curtain a couple <laughs> a couple miles outside of everywhere you're living. You have the Berlin Wall, which is not far from there. All these things are happening at the same time. Oh, yeah. That's what a, I mean. So you have, yeah. you have the Iron Curtain, you have the Berlin Wall, you have all these different rise-ups, and it's, it's terrible what is happening with these kids and children and these peasants and these small families. So, and that's, that's something that I don't think people realize is that these people were peasants. Yeah. They couldn't buy cars. No. They didn't have money. And if they had the money to actually buy a car, it would still take them years, if not decades, to even be able to be allowed to do it. Oh, yeah. And we've mentioned that in the podcast, but to, to really dissect that and dive into that, it, it is a 
it's a tragedy because you have to be questioned as i mean can you imagine living your life like that where you just want to go out and buy a car like we went out and bought a muscle car not too long ago right we picked up a couple ones here yeah. and there right so we have a couple in our fleet but like can you imagine like you know oh, i'm gonna go buy the chevelle real quick well no you can't you gotta um, go through the state department that's a terrible way to live i can't imagine it but that becomes the normal and so from the paranormal aspect the paranormal side of it want a phantom or we want some kind of like you know possession or we want something like that but there are very scary things that are actually very real that doesn't really fringe on the paranormal but it definitely borders it from a standpoint of how can humans do this to other humans how can that for me is is a lot more scary than the things that go bump in the night right that they had to invent this story to scare their children away from this yeah and the truth is that they probably all those things probably did happen. They oh, probably yeah. did scoop up kids and drain them of their blood and then drop them someplace. They probably we know that they they were scooping up people and killing them for speaking out against the government. I mean, that's what communists do. Yeah, it's it's a, it was a terrible time and thankfully and luckily we were able to end that war without a single American life that we know of was killed. And so Cold War ended and Russia eventually just evaporated. And the real reason why the Cold War ends is because they run out of money and America doesn't. And well, we just that was spend them, you know? Yeah. I mean, basically, that's what, what Ronald Reagan did. Yeah. I think that Mikhail Gorbachev was, I think he wanted it to be over. Yeah. He I, wanted I, it. He didn't have money. He wanted it to be over. There. Do you? We were kids when this was happening. Yeah, I, I remember, remember going under the desk and yeah, doing the raids and stuff like that. They were those people were suffering. They were. It was very sad. And I remember taking on and being in a community that I grew up in. We we had had a lot of Russian Jews. A lot of Russians moved to Miami, moved to the area, and a lot of them were ex-Soviets. Made a lot of money. They opened up bars. There's a famous documentary right now on Netflix right now that highlights some of the Soviets that came over and opened bars in Miami and clubs in Miami. And some of them have been very close to me. I used to work with one. His family was all Soviet and they all just, you know, they made their money, they got out of there and they raised very, they, they lived very legit lives after that. But some of the stories were horrific because a lot of people, even in the regime, didn't believe in the regime. It's a lot like Nazism. True. A lot of the Nazis didn't believe in Hitler. They thought he was crazy. And there was multiple attempts on Hitler's life, you know? So... I think people forget that, okay, yeah, they're communists and, and they're the Soviets and or the Nazis or, or, or the Chinese, but those people want to live their lives too. They do. I mean, they want to come here for a reason. Exactly. And here's the one thing that makes America great is that we, we still have choice, right? We still have, right. and they didn't. So, you know, if if just like the peasants where you are guarding your kids from, God forbid, they get abducted and they're never seen again. You also had the ones on the other side that had to go into the secret police, that had to go into the KGB, mm -hmm. whether they liked it or not. And so they didn't have a choice. So for right. either side, it, it was damning and it was very damaging. And I'm sure that there are patriots um, on either side of that wall. I can't speak for them, but I just think that when you look at the stories like Black Volga, you look at these these horrific events that unfold. It really gives you some insight into, you know, how horror movies come to be, how 
origin. I mean, starting with St. Patrick, I thought was a kind of a cool way to show, well, yeah, there was werewolves, but they weren't actual like people turning into wolves. Right. You know, they worshiped wolves and they, and the snakes weren't actually reptiles, but they, their faith was of the serpent type. Or they were loaves of bread. My mom makes those every, every, (laughs) every St. Patrick's day. Yeah. Those are good too. Yeah. Dude. Those cherry eyes. Yeah. Yeah, because we have we have these beautiful traditions, and and that's that's the importance of history, and and I think that you know we we take it for granted, or we try to change it, or we try to erase it, or we try to do these things, and at the end of the day, when when you look at Russia's history, you know Russia's in a very different place today. It's in a very different place. Is Putin scary? Absolutely. Does he want it to be Red Russia? We don't know what his ideas are. I think he would have made that choice and done that already if he wanted it to, you know. Yeah. So. You know, he would have he would have gone that route. But you look at Korea, you look at North Korea, you look at China, you look at these places where this is still going on in the world. And that's what just makes right. it sad. Like, there's still a black Volga in China. There's still a black Volga in North Korea. And oh, they were killing, you know... Or, innocents. Yeah, and, they, you know, limiting the number of kids that people could have in China. And, exactly. So it's a... It's like, a there's d- no choice there for people. Yeah, it's a it's a dangerous game when you when you have absolute power, and I think that this show really highlights not only the paranormal aspect of it, but what we have to do to almost control the environments of of these real scary stories. These are horror stories, you know. With that, uh, we will end our show tonight, and we will give you a kind of a brief introduction in the next two weeks. We, if you guys have caught on now, <laughs> we put a lot into these shows, so it takes us time to sit down and deliberate on each episode. And so, Jeremy, you want to give them the episode for next week? In the next episode of Haunted Garage, we take a look at another execution. But this time, it led to the start of World War I with the death of Franz Ferdinand. That's one you don't want to miss. That's a crazy story. There's a lot of loopholes in it. There's a lot of back and forth on what really happened versus what did happen. So make sure you tune in in two weeks. Don't forget to review our show. That greatly helps us out. Me and Jeremy want to know what you guys think. Feedback is a plus for us. So help us out with five stars because we know you drink Black Rifle Coffee. You know where you're wearing that Dixon flannel. Now you got to do is hop on your computer and give us a nice review or tell us what we could do better. Reach out to us on the Instagrams at The Haunted Garage for your chance to win great prizes and giveaways. This show is produced by High Gear Network and written by Jeremy King and myself, Frankie Campoletta. And our content creator is Lily McLeod. From all of us here at Haunted Garage, we wish you high gears and high revs. I'm Frankie Campoletta. And I'm Jeremy David King. We'll be seeing you.